Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Think Beyond Your Money podcast. I'm your host, Carter Michelson. The goal of this podcast is to provide education and insight related to investing and financial planning. With so much noise out there in this industry, I want to break things down and help you gain valuable knowledge and understanding about various topics. None of what I will go through will be personalized advice, but purely informative and hypothetical in nature. I hope you enjoy. In today's episode, I want to cover a topic which is a direct question from a friend of mine who asked, what would you do if somebody gave you $10,000 and you had no immediate use for the money? I believe this is such an excellent question um, and a great episode for a podcast because there's no cut and dry, simple solution to that question. And it really gets at the heart of what financial planning is all about, which is not just understanding somebody's financial situation, the quantitative data, but really taking a deep dive into the qualitative data of what their values are, what their goals are, and how those two connect to really be able to provide some personalized advice about how that could actually be used for their situation. So rather than giving a solution or answer to that question, what I wanted to cover was what are the different ways that you could actually use $10,000 in your plan? So plain and simply, there are three ways that you can use your resources. You can either share it, spend it, or save it. So the first one is probably the easiest to really go through, and that is for people that are charitably inclined, one of the things you can do with your resources is to bless others. And so this could be to a charity that you're passionate about. It could be to a complete stranger. It could be to a friend, family member, relative that you want to do something nice for and help out. But it's, you know, taking what you've earned or something that's been given to you and using it to bless others. Um, it's one way that we can be generous with our resources. Uh, the next, which is to spend it, is uh, probably the easiest one for most of us to do, and that is there's a whole lot of ways that you can spend money, um, and probably the one that takes the least amount of effort to think about. Um, but there are some ways to analyze what could be a smart way to spend that money, um, and then there's other ways that probably wouldn't be the wisest use of spending down your the $10,000 that was given to you. So I'll go through a little bit of some examples with that. And then finally, finishing off with what are the different ways that you can save it, you know, both for short-term goals um, and then also for the long-term. What are the different ways that you could set that aside and say, you don't need this $10,000 right now for anything coming up, um, but what are the ways that I can put it to work so that it's able to grow for me to be used at a future date? So those are the things that I wanna cover today um, and I'm gonna break down into each of those topics. Let's first take a look at what it would be like if you decided to share a portion or even the full amount of the $10,000 that was given to you. You have full control, obviously, over how much you decide to give and who you decide to give it to. It could be to an individual, whether it's a family member, friend, coworker, or complete stranger, or you could decide to give it to a qualified charitable organization or church um, that could actually be labeled as a 501c3 entity. There are going to be some key distinctions between those and the main one being the tax deductibility of that gift. So if you decide to give a portion or the full amount to an individual, unfortunately the IRS is not going to allow you to deduct anything off of your income taxes. Now likely giving out of the generosity of your heart was not necessarily um, 
motivated by the tax deduction that you were able to take. But it is important to note that there are financial implications in how we decide to set up our charitable giving. Because if you decided to give a portion or the full amount to a qualified charitable organization, you would be eligible to deduct at least a portion of that gift and maybe even the full amount. Now the reason why I say you might be able to do the full amount is because most people are likely taking the standard deduction right now. However, there are some people that are likely above what the standard deduction is with their itemized deductions. Currently, the biggest itemized deductions that you're able to take on your taxes are medical and dental expenses, taxes paid, interest paid, and gifts to charity. Potentially, if you decide to give $10,000 to a qualified charitable organization and you have some interest that you're deducting, some taxes that are able to be deducted, and especially if you had some pretty high medical or dental expenses in that year, you very well could be above the line for what the standard deduction would be. And thus, it could be beneficial for you to actually be able to take the itemized deduction um, that could come with your gift to the charity. Next, let's talk about what it could look like to make smart and strategic decisions about how we could spend a portion, if not the entire amount of the $10,000 that was given to us. Now again, spending is usually the easiest thing for most people to do. Um, a lot of us, you know, we do it really without even thinking about it, um, but there are some strategic ways we could think about our current financial situation, reflecting back on our short-term and long-term goals and make some decisions that will practically improve the situation that we're currently in. So one of the first things I would do is to look over what your current debt situation is. If you are someone that has high interest credit card debt or high interest on student loans or auto loans, whatever it might be, um, one of the things you could look at doing is taking a portion, if not the entire amount of the $10,000 that was given to you and throw it at some of the loans that you're looking at, especially if it's been a situation where you don't really have a plan in place for how you're going to be able to eliminate it and a goal set for when you want to eliminate it. And it's been something that you've been struggling even just to keep up with the minimum payments. That debt is going to continue to rack up higher and higher. So using a portion, if not the entire amount of the $10,000 that was given to you could be a really good way to target that debt and help you to overcome it. There's a couple different strategies you could use when it comes to handling that debt. It's either going to be the avalanche or the snowball method. With the avalanche method, what you would do is to target the highest interest debt first. Um, so let's say it's uh, a credit card. You would target the credit card first and then say move on to the student loan if that's at a lower interest rate. That is usually going to save the highest amount of money over the long haul if you can stick to the strategy. However, if you're somebody that really wants to see the small victories and feel a sense of accomplishment with knocking out each of those individual debt accounts, the snowball method might be a better fit for you. In this method, what you're going to do is to target the smallest balances first, and once that balance is completely eliminated, move on to the next smallest balance. And then you continue doing that until it's all gone completely. There's no right or wrong with which one is the right strategy to stick with for you. It really comes down to personal preference and understanding your behavior and your emotions when it comes to sticking to a strategy. Lastly, let's talk about what it would look like to save a portion, if not the entire amount of what's been given to you. Now I could at great length go into short-term versus long-term savings, talking about the investment accounts themselves, the tax implications of those accounts, and investment allocation for those accounts. 
I'm not gonna go into that great of detail. I'm really gonna keep it broad and talk about some of the things you could think about between short-term and long-term savings. So the first thing that I would think about is your current financial situation. The first thing that comes to mind would be looking at what is going to be necessary for an emergency fund for you. Now, the blanketed recommendation is typically going to be about three to six months worth of your expenses to have set aside in cash for an emergency fund. This could very well be very adequate for you or it could be not even close to enough. That's where it really comes down to your personal situation. But a couple of things to think about would be, one, how are you paid? And two, how is your job security right now? The first one, you know, what's important to think about is if you're salaried, if you know exactly what you're going to get month in and month out, you're probably not going to need to have quite as much in an emergency fund um, because you already know exactly what's coming in and what's going out. Whereas if you're somebody that has paid a lot of variable compensation or strictly commission, you could see really, really good months and you could see really, really bad months. In that type of situation, you might wanna have the higher end of an emergency fund set aside so that you can cover those expenses that might come up. The other thing worth noting, like I said, is your job security. If you know that your company's making budget cuts and you're worried about your, you losing your job, then that might be a situation where you wanna prepare to have a little bit more covered in cash in case you go through that job loss and are not receiving income as you're looking for new employment. That's the first and foremost thing that I would think about when it comes to the short-term priorities with savings is if I'm underneath the three months living expenses or underneath what I believe is adequate for an emergency fund, I could use a portion, if not the entire amount of the $10,000 that's been given to me and keep it in a safe place in a bank account, hopefully one that's returning a decent amount of interest that I can hold in that and using that to adequately cover an emergency that could come up. Now that you've adequately covered yourself with the emergency fund, you can begin to think about the prioritization and balance between short-term and long-term savings. For the sake of this conversation, let's define short-term as anything less than five years, and let's define long-term as anything more than five years. The reason why it's so important to label a timeline on when funds are going to be needed is because that's going to help you to determine the proper investment allocation or the risk versus reward type of model you should take for the investment account. Generally speaking, if you have 20 or more years until retirement, you can take a more aggressive approach or a higher concentration in stock market investments versus bonds. Whereas if you're someone that is five or less years until retirement, you probably don't wanna have the same high concentration in equities as the person with 20 or more years until retirement because you're going to be more susceptible to a large market loss because the stock market investments are going to be much more volatile than what you're going to have in the fixed income. And if you're going to begin distributions in a matter of a few years, you don't wanna you know, limit yourself to the possibility that you might lose a significant amount of your portfolio right before needing to rely on that for income purposes. The same goes for short-term savings as well. If you wanna purchase a home in a matter of a couple years and you need to have a down payment saved up for that purchase, you're probably not going to wanna to take a huge amount of risk and put the bulk of your savings into stock market investments if you have that timeline approaching nearer and nearer. However, if you're in a position where you're very content with where you're at, you don't have a determined timeline as to when you're needing funds to be used to purchase something, 
you could be in a spot where you are able to be more aggressive because your risk tolerance is more aggressive and your capacity for risk is there because the timeline has not yet been determined. In that type of situation, it might make sense for you to be slightly more aggressive and pursue that higher growth, understanding that there could be a high amount of volatility and it could take you a while to be able to get the return you're hoping for. The main point I wanna get across is that time is a critical component of any investment. When you can answer the question of when are funds needed to be used and what is the purpose of this account, that can help you to determine how aggressive you can be with that account. When you have more time to let something grow, that's gonna help you to handle the ups and the downs that may be thrown your way and help you to average out to a higher return. Whereas with a short-term investment, you're willing to sacrifice the potential for a higher return, understanding that the priority is limiting the possibility of a loss. The thing that I love most about the topic we covered today is that we broke down a situation of you were given $10,000 and how do you start to use that if you don't have an immediate need. But the same can be said for analyzing our personal cash flows. It doesn't matter whether we're working with an additional $5,000 a year or $10,000 a month. Surplus is surplus and that means that we can think about how we can use that surplus between sharing it, spending it, and saving it. And you've probably realized that throughout the topics we covered, it very rarely is going to be a decision of all or nothing. Likely you're gonna be looking at a balance of how do I save it, how much do I save, how much do I spend, how much do I decide to share, and that really comes down to your personal situation, reflecting on your values, the things that are most important to you in all of life, and also the short-term and long-term goals that you wanna set for yourself. If you're interested to chat about your personal financial situation and how you can build a plan for saving, spending, and sharing your resources in a way that's connected with your values and goals, don't hesitate to reach out because I'd love to talk to you about how you can begin to think beyond your money. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and been able to learn something new. If you come across any questions that you believe could make a great episode for this podcast, or if you'd like to get in touch regarding your own financial plan, feel free to send me an email to carter at northoaksfinancial.com. Thanks, and I appreciate your support. This material is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for all investors. They also do not include all fees or expenses that may be incurred by investing in specific products. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. You cannot invest directly in an index. The opinions expressed are subject to change as subsequent conditions vary. Thrivent and its financial professionals do not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Investment advisory services offered through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor and subsidiary of Thrivent. Clients will separately engage a broker, dealer, or custodian to safeguard their investment advisory assets. Review the Thrivent Advisor Network ADV disclosure brochure, financial planning brochure, and wrap fee program brochure for a full description of services, fees, and expenses. Thrivent Advisor Network LLC advisors may also be registered representatives of a broker-dealer to offer securities products. 
advisory persons of Thrivent provide advisory services under a practice name or doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network, LLC, a registered investment advisor. North Oaks Financial Group and Thrivent Advisor Network, LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for intended recipients only. Please visit our website, www.northoaksfinancial.com, for important disclosures.